0: Radio 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning, live from Ohika Castle in Huntington, Long Island. 77 WABC.
1: Intrigues, clashes, and so on has led in the First World War to a tremendous uh, turmoil and oppressed and that uh, resulted in the tragedy of the first world war and the russians were the victims of that and this was (coughs) affected by a number of opportunistic elements we will not let this uh, be repeated we will defend our motherland including overcoming a number of obstacles. This is treason, and it is about the ambition of inimical forces, the heroes who uh, breed the areas, the occupied areas of uh, Ukraine are trying to reestablish the uh, hegemony, the um, domination of the uh, Russian territories. We are trying fighting against anarchy and uh, capitulation. Talking to myself and feeling old. Sometimes I'd like to quit Nothing ever seems to fit Hanging around Nothing to do but frown Rainy days and Mondays always get me down
0: Ah, yes, a beautiful voice of Karen Carpenter. The Carpenters what on I this Monday morning, rainy days and Mondays. and Mondays. The good news is, out here at least in Huntington at Ohica Castle's golf course, The rain has stopped, and, in fact, it is starting to clear and peaks of sunshine coming out. So this may end up not being a rainy day, but it is a Monday, and you heard there from Vladimir Putin after the charge to Moscow got turned around on Saturday. So we start hour number three with one of my favorite guests in the radio business, a man I love and I appreciate, uh, a real war hero, a very decorated Vietnam vet, who's been on television and I'm missing my show for many, many years, and that's my friend Colonel Jack Jacobs. Happy Monday morning, Colonel. How are you? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me on the program, Sid. It's always great to have you. So when I saw this on Saturday, and this is not my level of of expertise, so if I'm wrong, just feel free to kill me. But when I saw this group of mercenaries, and I don't want to make fun of them, but I did call them a ragtag group heading towards Moscow, I said to my wife, Danielle, I said, are these people nuts? They are literally riding their own suicide ticket. And 30 minutes after I said that, and I'm not you or Jack Keene, we got news they were turning around. There was a deal made, and i got to think the deal was, Jack, Putin said to these uh, these mercenaries, the leader, hey, you keep coming, I'm going to kill you, your wives, your kids. So they turned around. I think it's that easy. What am I missing?
2: Uh, nothing. He may still do that, you know. Uh, People who are opposed to Putin have had a startling uh, history of falling out of windows, uh, <laughs> ODing on poison of some kind or another. So uh, I think Prigozhin is not out of the woods yet, especially when you consider the fact that he's holed up in in Belarus. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the president of Belarus, another autocrat, is about as close – as anybody else is, to Putin. So Prigozhin is not out of the woods yet. It remains to be seen what's going to be done with his forces. Don't forget they're not just in Ukraine and in Russia. They're also gathered across a number of enterprises, Russian enterprises in Africa, too. So uh, uh, this thing has a long way to go before it's finally played out too.
0: So for folks that aren't following this all that closely, right, this is a group of Russian mercenaries that were fighting for the Russian good. They were fighting in Ukraine. Then all of a sudden they decided one day, hey, we're going after Russia now. So I have two questions for you. Why did they all of a sudden decide to go after their own people, their own government, and not the Ukrainians? And secondly, what made this group think they can travel all those miles with very few men compared to the Russian army and actually win something?
2: Well, this has been going on for brewing for quite some time. The real object of of Prigozhin's wrath has been the Secretary of Defense, the Minister of Defense, uh, Shoigu, who himself doesn't have very much military. I don't think he's got any military experience to speak of. Who has been in the same job for very nearly 14 years and has demonstrated an enormous amount of tactical and tactical and strategic ineptitude Purgosian and the Wagner group were really irritated with the Minister of Defense, Shoigu, because didn't give him enough ammunition, didn't give him enough uh, tanks and other equipment, uh, and was not supporting them properly, and indeed, recently uh, uh, conducted a strike on Purgosian's forces, Wagner's forces, by the Russians. He'd had enough and uh, wanted to demonstrate that he'd had enough. A lot of people believe, and I do too, that Prigozhin thought that if he started a march on Moscow and demonstrated that the people along the way were in support of his group, the Wagner group, which they were, you could see it in videos, that there would be defections among the Russian troops and the Russian troops would join him. That turned out not to be the case in the end because of exactly what you said, a sufficient number and type of threats were made to this guy, uh, to Prigozhin, by Putin, uh, that uh, he decided that he was going to bail out. But like I said... Well, hold on a second. That, but, this, yeah. this, is,
0: this is where I need help. This is where I need help. I'm Sid Rosenberg. I, I do my show from Manhattan. I live in, in Rockaway in Queens. I'm from Brooklyn. I have zero war experience. I don't know anything about wars. I have no idea how to even fight the war. How did I know, thousands and thousands of miles away, how did I know that Putin would kill all of these people and they'd have no real chance of being successful. How did I know that and not these mercenaries?
2: Uh, Well, when you're at the bottom of the food chain, you don't know anything. Uh, You (laughs) just follow along. You do what you're told, especially if you're Russian. Uh, You do what you're told. And if you're told to get on the road and move north, you get on the road and move north. One of the reasons that the Russians have been so unsuccessful on the battlefield is because they have absolutely no initiative at the lower levels. They have no non-commissioned officer corps or lower-ranking officer corps worthy of the name. Uh, They just do what they're told. Uh, You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. American military people never do that. They take the initiative, and they think clearly about what it is they're trying to do before they start doing it, but Russians don't, and that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why they have not been successful.
0: All right, that explains it very, very well. This is decorated Vietnam vet, Colonel Jack Jacobs, one of my favorite folks. So, Jack, what does this mean now moving forward? You know, you talked about that these uh, mercenaries not out of the woods yet. Does Putin now have to kill these people, have to, just to show some face? Or does he look weak if he allows them to get away with this kind of mini trip that, of course, died halfway through? Uh, probably
2: the former. I mean, he already looks weak, and he's got a prevent himself from looking even weaker. Uh, there are two places that uh, 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 vantage points. The first is from uh, from outside. He doesn't care much what people think about him outside, but it is important to him that he completely emasculate uh, Prigozhin and his lieutenants. So something bad is liable, if not likely to happen to those people. What happens to the Wagner Group, on the other hand, is something else. Uh, Russians have been trying to sign these guys up into the Russian army. It's not entirely clear how many will take them up on that. The second way to look at it is from inside the Kremlin. Putin is weak, looks weak, and at some juncture he's liable to wind up uh, being eliminated, being replaced by somebody else. For now, everybody around Putin will support him. Because they owe their fortunes, and all of them have made an enormous amount of money. They owe their fortunes to Putin. As long as they hold their nerve and stick together, Putin will remain exactly where he is now. He's, got to, he's going to run next spring again to, <laughs> uh, to be the head of Russia. We'll see how that goes between now and then. Yeah. Unless yeah. somebody pops up from inside the Kremlin to challenge him, Putin will be there for quite some time. Joe. Sure.
0: I agree. He's already been there for 24 years, and Only of course we know years. this. Yeah, uh, he has stockpiled more nuclear weaponry than anybody in the world by a distance. And President Trump keeps saying, I know he's wacky, but he keeps saying this will not be World War One and World War Two. This ain't going to be tanks and guns. It's going to be nuclear weapons. And uh, Putin, you know, is being attacked by his own people. He's got the war in Ukraine. He's got all this pressure. Is it completely crazy to think that this guy wakes up one day and just unleashes something? I know that would be suicide on his part, but he may get to the point where he doesn't care. Is that fair to say? Well, there's one
2: thing uh, to to keep in mind, that there are tactical nuclear weapons and there are strategic nuclear weapons. It's unlikely anybody is going to use strategic nuclear weapons, but he has threatened the use of of tactical nuclear weapons, small-yield nuclear weapons on the battlefield. Uh, which he has uh, a, a lot of times, he, he is l- not as likely to use them, believe it or not, as some other people who might wind up challenging them. I know it sounds ridiculous, but Putin may be the liberal here. Um, <laughs> there are people inside Russia who have been criticizing Putin for not using all means available, including chemical and tactical, we- uh, tactical nuclear weapons. And it's possible that Putin himself might get replaced by somebody who's even farther to the right. That is very difficult to contemplate, but it's, it's entirely possible, sir.
0: Well, let's go back to the Russia-Ukraine conflict for a second. The last offensive for the Ukrainians has been brutal. I mean, how do I say this nicely, Jack? They're getting their asses kicked. <laughs> and, uh, and now the hope is, is that maybe this kind of takes the eye off the ball for Putin. He's got to worry about his own people, his own mercenaries, and maybe that goes a long way in helping Ukraine against their battle against Russia. Any credence to that? Well, it might, but keep in mind
2: what, uh, what Putin's long-term strategy is. It's not necessarily to win on the battlefield, because he probably can't. What his strategy has developed into is this, outlast the West. Uh, and outlast Ukraine. If he can keep the war going long enough, the perception inside the Kremlin is that the West will finally get tired of supporting Ukraine, and then Ukraine will fall like a house of cards. Time, Putin perceives, is on his side. As long as he can stay in power and he can keep the Ukrainians from having some startling battlefield success, uh, then in the end Putin believes that he can outlast Ukraine And we'll wind up prevailing in the end. Kissinger, who said at the beginning of this war, that there may be a negotiated settlement at the end may wind up being actually the case that uh, Ukraine will give up claims to Crimea and some of the Donbass in exchange for Russia leaving. But that's a long way in the future. And the next big thing to happen are two things. I'll be real quick. One is to see whether or not the Ukrainian offensive is actually going to show some battlefield success. And two, what happens when Putin runs for re-election in the spring? Both of those things are really, really important.
0: Two minutes to go. I want to take it home now. I've been critical of Joe Biden. feel like Zelensky's got a a blank check, basically. I don't know if he's compromised because of the barisma dealings. I just don't know. It just seems ridiculous to me that we continue to fund this war uh, there's got to be other ways for us to do it, and, and you just talked about it. Sit down with these people and find a way to end it. We don't do that. We're just riding them money, riding them money. Last week, another $6 billion open accounting error. What are your thoughts on all that?
2: Well, $6 billion in the giant scheme of things is not very much. We waste more money than that every minute on stuff we really don't need. Uh, I believe it's vitally important that we stand up to Russia, and we do it uh, indirectly like we're doing it now. Uh our allies feel the same. you got uh, countries left and right trying to do- join NATO, who otherwise would have been neutral uh, because they're concerned about Russian expansionism, and they ought to be. Uh, I know the, the number, I tell you, a 1000 bucks sounds like a lot to me, but when you're talking <laughs> about billions and billions yeah. of dollars, it, it yeah. boggles the mind. But in the giant scheme of things, it's not very much money. In exchange okay. for ensuring that we have our own success – on the battlefield through the Ukrainians and that our allies feel safe. All we have to do is something we've been doing for a long, long time for things other, less important than this, and that is to just print money. Uh, we've been printing money for a long time, and we're going to keep on doing it. I don't think that the at the moment there's sufficient uh, support inside Congress to, uh, to renege on that and bail out. Uh, we'll see what happens some time from now, but right now I don't think we're spending, we're spending the kind of money that will have a deleterious effect on the American economy any more than we waste money on, on things that we really shouldn't be doing. Since.
0: All right, so the final uh, 60 seconds here. Donald Trump this weekend at the Faith uh, for Freedom Coalition Conference. He has said this many times before. Now he doubles down goes even further. He has said, I'll end this war in one day. Now he's saying, I'll end this war before I even get to the Oval Office. Sounds crazy, but the truth is, when he was president, there was no conflict. And trust me when I tell you, Putin wanted to go, but he was scared of Trump. I don't care what anybody says, he was scared of Trump. So when Trump says that, is that a crazy man, or is there some credence to that?
2: Well, coincidence is not causation. Just because there wasn't a war when Trump was president doesn't mean that he had anything to do with there not being a war. The fact of the matter is that we are, as a nation and as an alliance, the NATO alliance, have been standing up to, to Putin, and he doesn't like it very much. Uh, if, we do, if we stop doing that, I think we're going to be in big trouble. I, I don't want to take side political sides. I forget who it was who said don't vote it just encourages them i'm not like that of course but uh, (laughs) but we have we have to keep a cool mind on the battlefield about things like this if there are aggressors you got to stand up to them if you don't stand up to them you're going to be unhappy about the results and so far though i would do lots more than is being done right now we're certainly doing a sufficient amount to support ukraine to keep Putin and his mob away from the Western Hemisphere.
0: All right. That's a a great conversation wrapping up the weekend and this Russia-Ukraine conflict and the mercenaries. There's nobody better, Jack. There's nobody better than you. So once again, thank you for your courage and your service, and thank you for coming on this morning, pal. I love you. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, Sid.
0: All right, pal. There he is, Vietnam vet decorated Colonel Jack Jacobs. And there's your lesson, folks, right there. You just got it. You don't got to watch... TV the rest of the day, you can go out now and play golf and watch baseball and go to happy hour, do all that stuff, because in the last 15 minutes, you've found out everything you need to know about what happened on Saturday and what may happen moving forward.